The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Now, the budget speech is one thing, and it gives you a sort of a, a, a broad overview of any big changes. It, it shows you where some of the big landmines might be in the budget. It warns you of tax increases. It yeah, tells you uh, the good news bits that it can. Um, but what's really important is in the week or two after the budget speech, the detail starts to come out. You start to get a far better idea as to the implications on you personally and how the budget is going to impact the way in which you can put away money for your old age one day. And um, that old age may start at 60, it may start at 80, it may start even later, depending on um, just how much you are able to postpone a retirement. But Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital, some big changes coming through this year. And I think the vast majority of them are fairly positive in terms of um, how we are going to be able to treat our money. Absolutely, Bruce. I, I, I'm, it's actually very exciting. And I was fairly excited uh, last week after the budget. I mean, it was, I, I thought we had some really good news. Uh, and, and then a couple of days later, as you say, we got some clarification. I mean, ironically, from the Reserve Bank, not from Treasury, but but uh, the, 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 the kind of kickoff of the good news was uh, around offshore capacity, um, which we all initially thought was relating to retirement funds. But um, w- once we got the clar- clarification from the Reserve Bank, we realised that there's an important little word there, which is um, retirement fund and and retirement funds and all institutional funds, and and why that's so exciting for for someone like me is that uh, that that includes the Unitrust companies as well, and and not just then Unitrusts that are in your retirement funds, but just all Unitrusts. So just a kind of a recap of of what's gone on. It it's, it it means now that. Uh, all, all retirement funds, all unit trusts um, can now invest uh, up to a maximum of 45% of their assets in, um, internationally. In, in the past, there was a, a, quite a, a break between the, the offshore capacity um, on the one side, as well as a, a special allocation to, to specifically to Africa, and, and that's been scrapped. And they're just saying uh, that now you can go for 45% global. And and it's a it's a big jump. No, for well, example, hold on a second. That that I missed in the budget speech. So just run that by me again, please, because for a long time asset managers have been complaining about the fact that this ten percent allocation to the rest of Africa outside of South Africa was a bit of a waste of time because they just couldn't find that level of investable assets that complied with their mandates and all of the restrictions that are put on them in terms of the rules and regulations around what they can and can't invest in. Absolutely, and and you know, just looking at some of the the bigger unit trust camp, unit trusts that, that that are used for retirement money specifically, you know, they they end up having maybe a two or three percent allocation to to Africa, and that that's quite rare. In fact, a, a lot of them have zero, um, and 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 you know, being allowed to invest a maximum of ten percent in Africa therefore was really just a waste of time for a lot of those funds. So so to scrap that and to say. Uh, you know, in, instead of saying 30% in, in the world and 10% in, in, in Africa, it's now 45% in the world and, and you decide where in the world you want to invest as retirement funds and, and off you go. Uh, it's, it's quite a big change, you know. And so, you know, for example, a, a lot of uh, unit trusts might change their mandates quite a bit now to say, well, you, you know, we, we might have, uh, in, in, we might in a balanced fund now, you know, really be a properly global fund with, with, most of the share allocation 
to, you know, to, to let's say big, uh, big global tech businesses and, and then the bond allocation to South African bonds because that's our best view. And in five years' time, it might be big South African mining houses uh, and global bonds. You know, but, but, but their range of choices has, has increased really significantly. Uh, it's just such a pity that you know they, they don't teach accountants and lawyers just to write plain English because then we would we would you know all know what's going on from day one. But but here we are, and it's great news. It's just a pity it's so muddled. Um, yeah, what worries me a little bit is that this is kind of a big opening up of the investment world to many South African fund managers who I'm sure will have capacity in-house to do global investment allocations. But is there, is there enough capacity to embrace this opportunity? Um, I, I think it's it's good news in the in the unit trust space. It's very good news in the in the retirement annuity space, and I want to spend a bit of time on that one. But but where it's not such fantastic news is in the living annuity space, because fr- frankly, most of the the big living annuity providers uh, th- they're already at capacity, and this change actually will be almost meaningless to them. Uh, in, in fact, there, there might end up there might be an unintended consequence where, where, where they have to reduce their capacity further because some of the underlying unit trusts that you know might now increase their offshore capacity themselves, and and all of a sudden you find you know the law of unintended consequence kicks in and living annuities are, are slightly prejudiced. So I'm not sure that um, that that the, the powers that be at Treasury and the Reserve Bank. Have thought that one through all the way to the end, but let, let's see what they do in the future. But but for RAs, Bruce, I think it's a huge issue because a lot of the time when when you talk to investors, you know they'll say, "I'm not putting money in an RA," you know, even though I can get the tax break because there's not enough offshore capacity, and and I'd rather you know pay more tax, use my after-tax money, and 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 get my offshore allocation. And and so for them, those kinds of investors, this might be a very encouraging move for them to say. Actually, I'll put more money into into RAs now because the, the world is my oyster, and and you know the, the the asset managers inside RAs will will take advantage, you know, perhaps where I can't as an individual. So so I think that that's very positive, and what I'm hoping will happen is that it, you know I mean retirement funds are a huge proportion of the the South African investment market. So if we see a, you know a bigger uptake of of retirement funds just in general, I'm, I'm hoping that it's also very positive for. For the South African stock market as well, because it attracts more money into into the rest of our investment markets, and and not just this sort of limited trickle that that we've been seeing in the last couple of years. So I, I really think this is just brilliant news. And it it does yeah it does make it it does make the argument um, the, the 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 panic about South Africa and the panic around policy in South Africa it does push it a little further on the back burner, doesn't it? It does, and I, and I think you know also you know some some of the kind of d- debates that have been raging for the last few years have been you know people predicting with great confidence that exchange controls would be you know tightened in fact not you know not not loosened uh, you, you know that that retirement funds would be nationalised in some form or another, and all of that stuff is you know blown out the window by a change like this. It's it's showing actually the very opposite that exchange controls are being loosened. Uh, and and I would argue, you know, where, where it matters in terms of very wealthy people that can do, you know, 10 million rand a year per person or in, in now inside retirement funds for the rest of us mortals that, you know, have the bulk of our money in our retirement money, the, the exchange controls are, 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 are rapidly going away. And I think it's a, you know, it's just a brilliant move. So so I think you're right. It sends a big policy signal to to all investors, you know, that, that actually things are, are loosening up, not tightening up. 
And the, the, the funny thing about that is it, it, what it does is that the, the less control you have on people's money in terms of moving it in or out of the country, the more free they feel to move the money into the country. So, so I think it, it just continues to send signals to South Africans and global investors that actually this is a place that, that isn't going to just hold on to your money and, and you know, impose exchange controls willy-nilly. It's, it's trying to go the opposite direction, but in a very controlled way. So, so I agree. I think I, mean, I think we, we're seeing good policy signal here, which is nice. You know, it's nice to say something positive about uh, about our government doing you know sensible policy decisions. I was stunned yesterday by Roy Bagatini's decision, the chief executive of Woolworths, to repatriate a billion rand into South Africa from Australia. Um, and, you know, there are better growth opportunities in South Africa, he says. So we bring the money in and we use it. Uh, absolutely. And and then, uh, you, you know, reading a snippet from, from the outgoing CEO of Anglos, you know, saying that uh, out of the 40 to 50 countries in which Anglos operates, South Africa has a very positive story to tell. And I, I would think he doesn't have to, you know, uh, kind of batter up the politicians anymore. He's on his way out. Uh, and he could pretty much say what he wants within reason. And, and so for him to say that as well, it, it just tells me something. You know, and, and looking at the, the massive tax, uh, tax revenue that a company like Anglos has, has provided to the, the fiscus in South Africa over the, you know, over the last two years, I think it's almost doubled. Uh, th- th- those are good news stories. You know, that, that's the stuff that should be, that, that should be told on, a, on you know, wide and, and far. Um, I, and producers, I'm just looking across into the ether. Producers, how are we doing with an exit interview for Mark Kidifani, Chief Executive of Anglo-American? Love to get to talk about productivity and other things. That would be lovely. Warren Ingram. Personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital this evening. Um, yeah, and it, it's just, does it make our relationship with our financial advisor a little bit more complicated? Because now there's a lot more to talk about than there ever was. A lot more positive stuff to talk about, but um, the advisors are going to have to be sharp on this stuff. And for consumers, we're going to have to be sharp to make sure that we don't get sold stuff that we is either inappropriate or wrong for us because of the big shifts that have happened in the way in which capital can be allocated. Agreed, and and I think uh, uh, I think two things. One that uh, that South African fund managers, you know, you know it it would be wrong to say that they're inwardly focused. They're not. You know, a lot of them have a very big global focus, but but it's going to certainly increase that for them. And and then secondly, as you say, for advisors, uh, you know, that advisors need to be very clear on 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 what their clients' objectives are and and their requirements are, and then and then advise them accordingly. I think I think there was one just quick change that I wanted to talk about, Bruce, for sure. for retirees. Um, and and that was the the, the I think they're trying to be helpful, but but from the beginning of this tax year, which was a couple of days ago, uh, they have given instruction to the to living annuity providers to say we now know as SARS what uh, what what the retirees are paying as you know um, in, in income tax, and we want you to tax their living living annuities according to the tax rates that they um, you know that they were taxed at last year. So, for example, if someone's got a living annuity with one company and a living annuity with another company, they, they would in, traditionally have just been taxed as if each of those were standalone investments and, and that the, the taxpayer only earned taxable income from one place, just, just simply because no one would have all the, the information collated. So what it meant was that by the end of a tax year, some retirees then got a bit of a surprise where they needed to top up tax payments and, and they didn't necessarily have the cash. 
So SARS is saying, well, you know, we, we've got the data. We're going to provide that data to the living annuity providers. And, and you, you as the providers now need to tax people accordingly. Um, and, and for most people, I think this is not a, a bad thing. It's just that it might catch them by surprise that at the end of this month, uh, you, you know, their tax rate you know, might have been 18% a year last year, and suddenly it's 35% a year. Uh, they need to know and, and budget their cash flows accordingly because, you know, that, that could be quite a significant drop in their monthly cash flows. Uh, and, and I'm very sure that uh, you, your, your phone lines are going to be going off the hook by, by the end of uh, March when people start saying their living annuity providers have, be, have been stealing their money, and that's not the case. It's, it's something to know about. Uh, okay. And also just to say that it's something you can opt out of. You, you don't have to do this. You ah, can go according cool. to your old rate, but you have okay. to opt out. You can't just uh, sit there and do nothing. Thank you, Warren. Very good advice. Uh, a question for us this evening from Vincent. Uh, and Vincent says, I'd like to invest some money in the MSCI World Index. I would like to know if I should use the MSCI World Index or the MSCI ACWI. How do I determine which one is best for me? I'd also like an answer with subtitles, Warren. Coming up in a moment. The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. MSCI, Morgan Stanley Composite Index, correct? Correct. And they have a whole range of indices. And the World Index, you often talk about the World Index, the Morgan Stanley uh, World Index. You're quite a fan, I think, of the World Index for people who want global diversification. Um, but what is the difference between the MSCI World and the MSCI ACWI, other than it takes longer to say? Super confusing. So, so the, 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 this is the joy of, of financial services businesses. They like to make things confusing. So, so ironically, the world index is actually not the world. Uh, it, it consists only of 23 countries, and they are all developed markets. So you know, the, the gen, generally tend to be the bigger, older economies uh, uh, around the world. So, so you know, and it's, it's like in South Africa, you know, um, when we only had the top 40 index for a long time, if you wanted to buy global exposure, the only thing you could buy was the MSCI world. But, but then the, the providers of these indices realized that actually there are lots of people that would like to buy the world and not just the developed countries. So then they developed this thing called the All Country World Index, which consists of those same 23 developed markets, but it adds another 25 emerging markets. And to me, actually, uh, you know, I love I love Vincent's question because it's that really is the world. That's really the thing that that we sh- we should be buying, uh, and and so you know it's over three thousand companies across the world. It's a it's a lo- lovely index, and and I'd I'd love the MSCI providers to change their names uh, around to call the one the developed uh, world and the other one the whole world. But uh, but that's the that's the answer, Vincent. And 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 if you're asking which one to buy, um, you know my view is buy the world. You know buy the all country world index because that that is the globe, and I think emerging markets are the place to go for the future. Might, might not be that fun for the next year or two, but uh, but that's you know unique and, and specific to to what's going on in the Ukraine. But but I think when when that works itself out of the investment markets, then then the all country world index is is certainly the place I'd like to put money. Okay, that's very helpful and and well answered on that one, Warren. I mean, also, I just I was looking at some stats today, and I'm not going to get them exactly right, but the all share index in dollar terms so far this year is up about nine percent. The S and P five hundred in dollar terms is down about twelve percent. So you are, if you are, have stayed in rands and in stayed on the JSE, twenty one percent better off now than you would have been had you made the switch six months ago out of South Africa and, and into what was then overvalued uh, American markets? 
I mean, it's it's such a uh, you know sad story that people kind of get flustered and 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 hoodwinked. I guess is the best way I can describe it into into making decisions that that are not in their best interest by by people who sell fear. Uh, and and so you're absolutely right. I mean, I think you know I'm not saying that you, we should all keep all our money in South Africa. That doesn't make sense from a diversification point of view. But but when the world gets you know incredibly uncertain and and some parts are are going, some parts of the world are going crazy, like the the US was in the last few months of of last year. The, you know, the, then sometimes just staying the course makes all the sense in the world. And that's exactly what you're pointing out is you know the 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 the, the markets don't just act in a predictable way all the time. And and who would have thought? You know, with this big Ukraine crisis going on, that the rand would be you know, relatively strong and the JSE would be doing well. It, it, it's not necessarily predictable at all. And so much of the money that was in Russia or flowing towards Russia needs a developing market to go to. And I'm sure it's being spread about the world. But I wonder just how much, I don't want to call it a benefit, but how much opportunity has been created for a place like South Africa based on the fact that you know the, the world has got a, a sudden Russia allergy um, and uh, lots of money has flowed our way. I think it's a, it's a big issue for, um, for producers. For, so, for example, uh, you know, if you're a grain producer in South Africa, uh, you know, the Ukraine accounts for a huge proportion. I think it's a third, uh, again, r- rough number, but a third of the world's gr- grain production. So, uh, you know, if they're not going to be able to produce because they're at war now and, and, and it is planting season, then, then that's, that's going to be a, a market that or a gap that has to be filled by farmers in the rest of the world and prices will rise for them. So, so that's certainly one. And then Russia, you know, being a massive producer of, of palladium, uh, f- which is used in the auto industry, you, you know, we're, we're another big producer of that. And so the, the demand for our goods will, will rise in that sector as well. And I think across all of our commodities, there will be a, an, an uptick in demand. And, and certainly a place like Australia is, you know, is going re- all out, flat out to, to kind of plug that gap as well. So, so I think there, there will be the, the big resources economies that will that, that will you know see an uptick in demand as you said it's very hard to say benefits because uh, you know this is such a human tragedy but but there will be a, a, a hole that has to be filled and then um you know how i like to cre- catch you out with a, a phrase of the week or an idea sometimes i keep it simple sometimes i make it a bit more complicated tonight i think is is one of the trickier ones but uh, it's not yet of a high enough grade to catch you out but let's try what's the swix index it's it's certainly uh, um, you know it, it's quite a popular index amongst fund managers who who say that you know you, when you judge their performance you, you should actually be judging them against this index and not the top forty index and and if you look at let's say the Swix top forty and and the the, the normal JSE top forty index the, the the biggest difference between those indices is that the the, the top forty index includes uh, the, the the shares owned by all investors in our companies. In other words, you know, a company like Richmond, which has a massive uh, overseas shareholder base, and a company like Naspers would be similar. Uh, they are included at full weight in the in the top forty index. But when you look at the Swix index, what that does is it says what what is the the, the actual value of South African shareholders of South African companies. So then it would exclude the value that the foreign shareholders own of, of all of our companies that are listed on the JSE. And, and so, in a company like Richmond, which is at the end of December was 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 number one, the biggest company in the, on the top forty index, in the Swix index will, will be you know number eight or something or number nine, 
and and so you know it goes from you know 12 or 15 percent of the of the index of the top 40 index to only around three percent of the of the swix index so so it uh, it, it basically takes away that the, the big swings of foreign shareholders um, and and the theory is that it becomes a less volatile index because as we know you know when a foreigner you know foreign fund manager sitting in london and they just decide to buy emerging markets or just sell they're not really necessarily looking at every individual company so they add huge volatility to the market so so the swix index is in theory slightly more stable slightly more realistic representation of south african shareholders of the stock exchange now, 12 months ago, um, if somebody had said, get into the SWIX index because there's just too much risk, you would have said, but then I'm going to lose this magnificent asset of Nuspers and Process to me. And they've been the drivers of the market. And that's what's made, uh, that's what's protected uh, South Africa from the very worst effects of uh, state capture and everything else and the, the negativity towards South Africa. If it wasn't for Nuspers and Process, South Africa would be nowhere and in the last 12 months, of course, we know that the wheels have come off very significantly in us and process, and they're worth a fraction of what they were. Investors in the SWIX index in this particular context would have had far greater downside protection to the huge sell-off in those companies as a result of the Chinese clampdown on Tencent in China, for example. Um, it, yes, except, um, and, you know, it's, life's so complicated. So, so the, the only issue there is that uh, that, that NASPAS and Process still do have quite a big South Africa shareholder base. So so they were still, uh, you know, still quite big parts of the SWIX index. And as as that share price, their, their share prices imploded, it did have an impact on SWIX as well. But but then we had, the you know, the more SA-focused businesses, you know, performing extremely well to compensate for that. And, and I think that, that you know that's the, the the interesting thing to me is you know we, we see something like MTN all of a sudden starting to do incredibly well again. Uh, it's just amazing to see you know this the, the world is so unpredictable and you know stay the course and see what happens. Warren Ingram from Galileo Capital Personal Finance on a Thursday night. Thank you for listening to the Money Show. It's eight o'clock and time for Eyewitness News.